Burkhart Frank. And I'm pleased to introduce you to my guest tonight, Paul Cummings, Nevada County Emergency Services Program Manager. Paul has been overseeing Nevada County's Office of Emergency Services since January of 2020. Paul spent 22 years in the military with 10 years of experience as a military air traffic controller and 12 years as an Air Force navigator. Paul, welcome to the Sages Among Us. Thank you, Lori, for having me. Very excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you here, Paul. And we always like to start the show with a little bit about the person. And so could you tell us where you grew up? Yeah, so um, I'm originally from San Diego, California here. Um, a small town actually called Chula Vista, a suburb of San Diego, and it's actually the most southwestern, one of the most southwesterly uh, communities in America. So it's kind of cool. Nice, sleepy little beach town. It was a great place to live. Well, and when you grew up there, did you have a lot of role models? Uh, gosh, let's see. You know, I'm a kid from the 80s, so uh, I grew up watching Chips, so John and Ponch. Those were my uh, <laughs> couple of my role models. Let's see who else. Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. No, um, uh, you know, I think my mom and dad, they were pretty great role models for me. Um, you know, at a very basic level, they taught me right and wrong and how to treat people. And uh, I think, you know, what, what more could a couple of parents do, right? That's right. Did you have a lot of siblings? Any siblings? Uh, I did. I had a sister, yep, older sister, and, uh, and, and we got along pretty good, and, and she's doing great right now. So. Well, that's good. And did you have any idea what you wanted to do when you grew up? Um, you know, I think, again, probably a product of a lot of the, the shows I was watching as a kid um, and being in a military town like San Diego, I took an interest in the military. And I think I specifically wanted to be a military pilot, which I came close as a Air Force navigator. So, um, yeah, I'd say my dream came true. And I was going to ask you what inspired you but to be in the military because uh, we did introduce you that, that you have 22 years in the military, 10 years as a military air traffic controller, and 12 years as Air Force navigator. So that's a lot about aviation. And so aviation was always a passion for you when you were young? Yes. Uh, aviation has, has been, it is, in fact, in my blood. Uh, my grandfather, he was a World War II Navy pilot. Uh, carrier pilot flew, flew the Avenger, so that was pretty cool. My dad was a pilot, a private pilot, and had his um, instrument license. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was probably, you know, preschool age, he would take my sister and I up in light aircraft uh, and fly us all over San Diego, and we did that a lot as a kid. And, you know, so just being around the airplanes and the sounds and the smells and, and, uh, and just the airports, I think that was what really um, started that interest. And then my dad, you know, he also volunteered at the um, San Diego Airspace Museum, which if you haven't been, it's a pretty big uh, aviation museum. And so I got to, to see firsthand the airplanes and the work he did as an aircraft mechanic and, um, and volunteerism, right? He introduced me to that. So it was, it was pretty cool. And so then I eventually went on to get my own, my pilot license and a bachelor's degree in aviation. Oh, you did, and and so then your jobs in the military. Uh, tell us about uh, your aviation jobs in the military. So I started off. Um, you know, I probably didn't try as hard as I should have in high school. <laughs> so um, I didn't have I didn't have college. You know, college wasn't in the cards for me when I was eighteen. So I enlisted. Um, 
and it was it was a great opportunity. It was a great opportunity for me to grow up. And so I was an air traffic controller. So I was the guy in the control tower who cleared the airplanes, you know, for takeoff and to land and kept them from running into each other. Um, and then I got, I got my degree in night school uh, from Embry-Riddle. So I got a bachelor's degree in aviation. And then I was able to use that to get a commission. And then I went on to, I, I went through flight school with the Navy, a uh, special program and got my wings and then went on to be a weapon system officer in the B-1 bomber. So I was the guy who navigated the aircraft and dropped the bombs in combat. So, so where are cool. some of the places that you have lived? You must have lived a, a variety of places with 22 years I, in the military. I did, yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's part of the beauty of being in the military is um, you get to see America, you get to see the world, you get to see the parts that you like and don't like of this great country that we live in. And uh, um, I think it's a real testament to this community that, that I decided to stay uh, here of all the places I've seen and been. But um, Mississippi, Florida, uh, Washington State, Texas, South Dakota, Alabama, and Nebraska are all places I've lived. And then I've, um, you know, visited and transited all kinds of other states and, and overseas Europe and the Middle East. Um, but uh, California is a really great place to live. We've got a lot going on here. Well, do you have a family, Paul? I do. I've got two kids. Uh, they're 9 and 10, and they were both born at bomber bases when I was a bomber guy. So they grew <laughs> up you know, in the military lifestyle. Uh, but they're great kids. Um, so even though they weren't born in Nevada County, um, you know, they're, they're quickly becoming uh, locals. Uh, we've been here about six years, and so my kids can ski, they can swim in the Yuba River, and, um, you know, everything from, from sporting organizations to schools, this community has welcomed us. It's just really been a, a great place for them to grow up. Well, how did you end up choosing Nevada County to, to live in? You know, um, being originally from California, and I knew my career was coming to an end, um, our family wanted to land in, in California, and so I had an opportunity to go out to Beale as a mission planner for the U-2, and, and so I took it. And um, once my career, you know, ended and I was transitioning out, I was able to, through an internship program, get hired by the county, which has just been outstanding. Yeah, and so you said that you were involved with the U-2 at Beale? I was, yeah. So I was um, what they call a mission planner, and so I just, you know, I did a lot of the flight planning for the U-2 so created maps and did, you know, calculations and things like that. So it was really cool. That is very cool. And how does it c compare to some Nevada County compared to some of the places that you live? Maybe in, in terms of the sense of community or uh, opportunity? Yeah. You know, I think every place has its own unique charm. Um, some places are all hustle and bustle. Some places are... Um, our, our, the, the weather is the poignant, poignant, poignant factor there. Um, but I think what I liked about this community is it's, it's, it's a slower lifestyle, more laid back, which maybe people wouldn't think about with California. But Nevada County, this, this rural lifestyle is really what um, drew us, especially to Nevada County of, all, of the other three counties we could have lived in upon arriving here. Um, so, you know, we really have the best of many worlds. We, we can drive a, a couple hours to the big cities. We have the ocean, we've got the mountains. It's really a great spot. And compared to a lot of the places I've lived, far less humidity. Yes, that is a good thing, to have less humidity. Well, you're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking today to Paul Cummings, Nevada County Emergency Services Program Manager. 
So as the Nevada County Emergency Services Program Manager, what are some of your responsibilities? Yeah, so I really just oversee a great group of folks. Um, we've got about four of us in our office who are trying to work to mitigate disasters in our community. So we're really mainly focused on wildfire, but we do try to take an all-hazards approach. So we're thinking about working with partners like NID on dam safety. We're, we're, we're you know, thinking through heat events, like, you know, we've got a big heat event coming this weekend, um, flooding. So we're really trying to look at all the things that could hurt us in our community, and then we're trying to mitigate them and prepare the community for them. Well, so with all these different types of potential challenges for a community, does your office work with or collaborate with any other organizations in emergencies? Absolutely. You know, we have to, we have to collaborate, right? That, that's in that word community. We have to come together um, to solve these problems. So, so certainly, you know, before, during, and after an event, we're all working together from the local government level, the municipal government level, you know, nonprofits. You know, we have key nonprofit partners that we're working with, like the Fire Safe Council and Freed, um, you know, the fire districts, law enforcement. Um, you know, we're working with state partners, CAL FIRE, CAL OES, California Department of Social Services. We've got um, numerous people that we can reach out to, and OES really stands at that intersection and tries to bring people together for that collaboration to mitigate the hazards before they happen, and then during the event to... Um, to, to soften the blow and to try to protect residents during the event. And, and you know, I will mention that, um, just to go off script a little bit, that like we heard, there's a fire going, you know, right now in our community. Um, but I know without even, you know, checking in that um, there's going to be a full um, response from our law enforcement and fire. I have full confidence that they're addressing the situation. I know that if evacuations are required, that they're going to go out and, um, quickly evacuate people. They're going to start sending code reds to the community if it warrants that. They're going to update our, our dashboard, you know, the readynevadacounty.org slash dashboard uh, with the zone-based evacuation information. So you'll be able to see if your zone is under an evacuation warning or order. And even at a media level, I mean, thank you to KVMR. Thank you to Ubinet for staying on top of these events, helping us stay on top of these events and informing the public. So without this this um, team of people really right from nonprofits to local government to state and federal partners we could not protect this community well that certainly is is true and um, you mentioned working with the sheriff's office does your um, organization work closely with the Nevada County Sheriff's Office we do in fact um, again you know I'm on this interview and there is a fire going but there's um, a lieutenant in my office, Lieutenant um, Bob Jacobs, a very sharp lieutenant with the Nevada County Sheriff's Office, who is actively monitoring this fire. He's working closely with the Sheriff's Office, his, his um, folks out in the field, and, and also liaising with um, our EOC team and county staff to monitor the situation. And so he has been an incredible contribution to our office. Uh, this came from a, a great conversation and collaboration between Sheriff Moon and our county CEO, Allison Lehman, to, you know, find a way to really maximize, um, you know, our, our county's efforts in, in wildfire and evacuation mitigation, because wildfire is the greatest threat that we face in our community. 92% uh, of Nevada County residents live in a high or very high fire severity zone. So this is a, this is a board priority. 
this is a, a, a county priority. This is a, um, a community priority. And so, so having a deputy in our office has been huge. It has taken our evacuation planning to a whole other level. Um, some things that Lieutenant Jacobs has championed are, are things like the evacuation tag program, uh, the new zone-based evacuation system. Um, you know, our EOC team, he's really taken that to a whole other level. He uh, helped create a Spanish translation team to help get messaging out to our public, our Spanish-speaking residents. So huge contribution, uh, invaluable partnership. Absolutely. And with your career in the military and with aviation, has that helped prepare you for what you do now, Paul? You know, it has. Um, it's been, you know, the military is, um, we're, we're trying to plan as an aviator and, and, a, and a military uh, officer for the worst case scenario. And I do want to just pause for a minute that um, it looks like an evacuation order was just sent out for uh, zone NCOE 160 uh, with mandatory evacuations occurring on June bug only at this time. So I just got that directly from Lieutenant Jacobs. Uh, and so we can, um, you know, hope our listeners and are listening. Would you mind repeating that zone again? It's a little hard sure. for me to hear exactly the zone. Evacuation order sent out for uh, NCO E160. And so this is where we want our residents to go to that Ready Nevada County dashboard, check in, uh, look for the, for the colored zone information, and see if it's going to be yellow or red. And, uh, and when I'm looking at the dashboard right now, it's actually showing an evacuation warning for NCO uh, E160. And so what's probably happened is uh, that zone is under a warning with um, localized evacuation orders uh, for folks probably on certain streets. So um, when there's a warning in an area, it's important for folks that need extra time to evacuate to go ahead and go. So if, if, if you know it's going to take you a while to pack up and leave, just go ahead and go. Uh, if you have livestock or pets or you have to go collect another family member, this is probably the time for you to go. Um, and, and, you know, to be honest, what we tell folks is um, don't wait for authorities to tell you to go. If there's a fire anywhere near you and you're uncomfortable, go ahead and pack up. You know, drive down to Roseville, go have dinner, um, you know, go to the other end of town and just let this thing play out. So right now, um, from what I'm seeing on the dashboard, NCO E160 is showing as an evacuation warning. And again, there's likely um, localized evacuations um, happening on specific streets. And so um, this is the time to, to go if you feel you're threatened and if you need extra time to evacuate. Well, and, and in the evacuation, I know there is a new program uh, around evacuation, and you just mentioned the zones, which is part of the program, but how do people know what way to evacuate? Yeah, so that's a really great question. So, so right now, when there's a fire going, this is not when we want to be figuring out which way we should get out, right? Um, because it's going to take law enforcement a little while to start to set up, you know, the signs and things that you would expect to, to direct you on your way out. So before an event, you should really try to find three ways out of your neighborhood that'll get you to a main arterial, like a county road or even a, a state highway. So go to our, our dashboard, readynevadacounty.org slash dashboard, check out the evacuation route planner and try to plan out multiple ways out of your neighborhood. I recommend that folks print those off and have them with them paper copies so that if um, you know they're stressed out or it's nighttime and 
you know, their, um, their, their phone's not working, maybe their phone was dead or there's uh, problems with the cell phone signal, they can always reference these paper maps that tell them exactly how to get out to the nearest arterial and then practice driving these ways, um, these evacuation routes day and night so that you can safely evacuate. That's the best answer I can give folks on what to do during a fire. And the code red, um, Paul, what, what exactly is code red and, and how do people find out about code red? Yeah, so code red, that's a great question, Laurie. Code red is an opt-in um, alert and warning system. So what it's going to do is it will, if you've signed up, it'll send a message to an email, uh, a phone call, and a text message to phone numbers and email addresses that you registered. So you could have uh, multiple family members in your household registered uh, for these messages. And then during, like right now, um, an evacuation warning code red message likely went out to the people that are in NCOE 160. Uh, and so um, we send those code red messages by zone. <clears throat> so we have all of these new zones loaded into our code red system. And if you're not familiar with the zone-based evacuation system, what we did is we took the county and we cut it up into 250 puzzle pieces. And each, every one of us, we live, work, and play in an evacuation zone. And so just like today, uh, we're seeing that, um, you know, uh, an evacuation warning has been issued for NCOE 160. And so those residents that live within the footprint of that zone who were signed up for Code Red and had registered their devices uh, inside that address likely just got a Code Red message. And so Code Red is one of the many tools that we're going to use to inform the public during a wildfire. Uh, and so we recommend that folks sign up. If you're not signed up, you can go to readynevadacounty.org uh, and click on the alerts button uh, to, to sign yourself up for a managed account. Or you can call 211 and they'll help you sign up. That's great. So 211 can also help. And I know you've mentioned Ready Nevada County quite a few times. I uh, have my little packet that I got from the Union newspaper, um, and I think they've been sent out, and you can pick them up all sorts of places. But the um, Ready Nevada County, can you tell us a little bit more about the information that people find in those pamphlets or on the website? Yeah, so everybody in the county should have gotten a um, Ready, Set, Go handbook. Uh, and, and, and so in that handbook is really going to be most everything you need to know to get ready, uh, to vet, you know, ready for um, wildfire in our community. And I do want to just update from what I'm seeing in, the, in my chat with Lieutenant Jacobs from the Sheriff's Office. Um, NCO E160 was, in fact, a warning. So my initial um, information about, you know, uh, the order was, again, just there was some localized um, evacuations that were under an order, uh, but the, the, the zone itself, is under a warning. So um, again, if, but if you hear the high-low, if you're close enough to hear the high-low and you feel threatened, uh, you know, please grab your go bags, your pets, your family, and then safely, um, you know, leave the area. But so back that is to the, the other... Oh, go ahead, oh, Paul. Sorry. I was just going to say back to the, uh, the the outreach materials. I think that you're asking about. Yes. Um, yeah. So so that Ready Set Go handbook is going to have everything you do, you need to know really about defensible space, signing up for Code Red trusted news sources, um, you know, things that you need to do, like pack your go bag, uh, and, and then how does, you know, how Zone Haven works. So that's a really great one-stop shop. You know, we do have some other materials that we've shared with uh, most of the different fire stations, so that's a great place to check in. You can also go to our website, like I've mentioned a couple of times, readynevadacounty.org for more information. You can always email us or call us. Um, and those fire stations and our office are another great place to get your evacuation tags 
which um, some residents may be using right now. Uh, and so if, they're, if they've been ordered to evacuate and they're leaving their homes, they'll, they'll take this evacuation tag, they'll wire tie it to a doorknob, a uh, mailbox or a reflective sign, and that's an indicator to the sheriff's office that they've made it out okay. And what it does is it expedites evacuation. So instead of that deputy having to go down a long driveway or go knock on their door, make sure that that resident got out okay, they just simply pass that house by and they make note that those folks made it out okay. That is a great uh, way that we can participate and, and support um, all of the folks that are working so hard to keep us safe. Well, you're listening to The Sages Among Us on KBMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking today to Paul Cummings, Nevada County Emergency Services Program Manager. So, Paul, I appreciate so much we're getting this live input on what's going on in our community, but I know that there's so many things that the Office of Emergency Services is involved in, and can you tell us a little bit about how you've been involved in COVID? Yeah, so, you know, COVID has affected all facets of our life in Nevada County, right? Um, and, and public health has had to shoulder this for a really long time. So it's just been very challenging for them. It's been very challenging for our community. And so our office has, has been able to leverage support when we can. So we, we opened up the Emergency Operations Center, for instance, early on, and we were open for like six weeks, um, really just addressing unmet needs that arose from that initial um, entrance into, into, into this new world of COVID. Um, just recently, as featured by the UBANET, just did a really great series on public health staff uh, and the work that they did highlighting um, specific members from the public health staff. One of those was uh, Jen Tamo from our office. So she's a, ad, a senior admin analyst. She is just an incredible asset for us to have. And she, in working with many other county staff and, and partners in our community, um, but she led the effort to stand up uh, the county COVID vaccination clinic, which I know many of us, you know, myself included, were vaccinated at. And that was what really, as we know, turned the tide on this this um, virus and was one of the first steps in really protecting our community. So everything from supporting messaging to the EOC to, to the vaccination clinic, our office has, has tried to um, support uh, the, the COVID efforts um, when we could. And you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the heat event happening, and so what kinds of things um, are being, uh, what, what should we think about in terms of this upcoming heat event, uh, what, what's available to help people during the heat event? Yeah, and so, I mean, heat, that's another thing, right? So even, you know, right now we're looking at a, a fire that's being monitored and with local evacuations. We have a heat event coming, we've got COVID, and that's, that's what we try to do is we all try to work together as a community with all of our partners with sometimes overlapping events, you know, throw PSPS in there too. But um, yeah, yeah, we have talk a, a little bit about the PSPSs too, because those, those have happened and they will happen again. And I know that uh, your office is very involved in the PSPSs. So what kinds of things does the office of emergency services get involved with the power public safety power shutoffs? Yeah. And, and I'll just, I'll finish my thought real quick on the heat. Um, the, the, we are under an extreme heat warning that's going to go into effect Friday. And so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, most of western Nevada County is going to see very extreme temperatures. And so, uh, you know, I live in Penn Valley. We're going to see temperatures up to 108, like on Saturday. Overnight temps are not going to be below 75, so we're not going to get that overnight relief. So I just want folks to, to pay attention to the weather, pay attention to the heat, make sure you're staying hydrated, 
take care of your, your kids, your pets, our elderly neighbors. You know, let's just take care of each other. Try as much as you can to, to stay out of the heat and, um, you know, just try to get through this event. And, and, and with that, we're hoping it doesn't happen, but there could be the, the possibility for brownouts in specific parts of our community. And so our office is going to work closely with PG&E on the western end of Nevada County to, to find out about those as early as possible and then message that to the community. And so we do have a close relationship with PG&E. Uh, you know, I, I will say that PG&E has come a long way in mitigating public safety power shutoff in our community. Um, I have a really strong relationship with um, some, uh, you know, a couple folks at PG&E that I'm almost in a, you know, uh, three or four times a week dialogue with around public safety power shutoff along the lines of brownouts and some of the vegetation work that they're doing. And so they really have tried to, uh, as they said, make these events um, smaller in duration, smaller in scale, um, and smarter. And so I think we saw that. We saw a big difference in the 2019 PSPS season versus 2020. But I think big picture, we just have to understand why it's happening. And, mm-hmm. you know, pg is going to de-energize their infrastructure. They're going to de-energize their lines to protect their infrastructure and to protect the community, right? It's because of the fire threat. And so when we have those fire weather days where we have a fire weather watch where you're going to have um, high temperatures, high winds, and low humidities, they're likely going to turn the power off. But, but thankfully now I think we've got a pretty good system where – we're having pretty good notice ahead of time. We've got some safety nets to protect people with disabilities and older adults. We've got things like the microgrids that they're doing in Grass Valley, Nevada City, to keep you know restaurants open and gas stations going. So um, while it's a it's a new part of our life, um, I think we've mitigated the impact as, as much as we can, and and we're not letting up. We're, we're going to continue to work with PG&E to to re- keep reducing this impact on our community. And we're also going to work with the telecoms because they have a part to play here too. Because get, you know, staying informed um, during a PSPS or a wildfire is really important to, to our rural community. Well, Paul, you are so clearly in, involved in in, uh, in your offices in such high demand in this community. But do, if you ever have any time off, do you have any outside activities that you enjoy to do? You know, my kids and I, we try to take advantage of, uh, you know, we, we have a pool, uh, so the kids love to swim. We'll go to the lakes. We love the river. You know, we're near Bridgeport, so we'll go down there. We'll go on. We'll go hike locally. Um, you know, we, we do have a, a soft spot for the city of Grass Valley, so my kids especially, they like to go to Lazy Dog and get ice cream and candy. And and their, their favorite spot is, uh, I'm not advertising for them here, but <laughs> Foothill Mercantile. They, they call it the Little Town Toy Store because they love to go down there and you know, save up their money and then go buy a toy. But, um, yeah, so we try to get out in the community, and it's just it's a really great place to live. Well, and my last question to you here is, if you had the power to wave a magic wand to improve our community, what would you want to create or problem would you solve if you could do anything? I think that's a great question. I think there's a lot of, a lot of problems I would probably want to solve, but, I guess with my emergency manager hat on, um, I would want to transform our excess forest fuels because we've got a lot of fuels in our forests that are that are um, dry and, and ready to burn. It'd be great if we could take all of that countywide and somehow put it in some magic machine that would turn that into clean energy uh, and, and provide local energy to our schools and our homes and our businesses. I think that would be pretty amazing. That would be pretty amazing. And... 
um, what do you value so much about our community that makes you want to continue to live here? Um, you know, I actually really like the diversity, um, you know, from Nevada City to Grass Valley to Penn Valley to Truckee, um, you know, and getting to know people here. Uh, I, I, I interact with the community a lot. And, you know, I think there's a rugged independence uh, here with folks. And it's especially with, you know, our community has been hard hit with PSPS and other things. And um, so I do really appreciate that about folks. I think this is just a beautiful community to live in. Uh, we have the whole spectrum, again, from the foothills to the mountains and the rivers and the lakes. So it's, it's just really beautiful. So I think, I think the people and, and just the, what this community has to offer uh, just make it a great place to live. Well, Paul, thank you so much for being on. And we have about a minute left, so maybe we can announce that evacuation warning zone again. Yeah, um, one minute. Let me just get back up to that. So it looks like the last I had heard was um, evacuation warning for zone NCO E160. So that's a warning. Uh, and, and those residents have been given a code red. And it looks like the residents along Junebug Road were given a local um, order to evacuate. So that probably involved somebody driving along with a high-low siren and knocking on doors letting those residents know that they were under an order, but the zone itself was under an evacuation warning. And I'm just gonna okay. double check. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So warning is before order. So warning is be completely ready to go and go if possible, and order is you must leave, is that correct? Yeah, a warning means get ready and evacuate. If you need extra time, you should evacuate now. And, a, and an order means you must leave. That there's an imminent threat to your life and your home. And when I just hit refresh on the readynevadacounty.org slash dashboard, um, it's still showing that zone as under an evacuation warning. Well, thank you for joining us, Paul. The purpose of this program is to inspire and invite people to participate in the betterment of our community. We had Paul Cummings, Nevada County Emergency Services Program Manager,